What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Get a Grip with Kay. We are back in action with part two of this series, this one and only person that I've needed a three-part series of so far. Not surprising, but welcome back to the show, Shelby Murphy. Hi. Hello, hello. We're in my mom's house today, actually, of all places, which if you guys are watching the video, you will see a myriad of things behind us. And we're very vibey. There's plants. We've got meditative things. We've got mandalas. So we are going to get some good content out of Shelby today because we're really vibing. <laughs> so, so as you guys know, um, when we start, if you haven't listened to episode one already, make sure you guys go listen to it because I always ask people in the very beginning two questions, right? I ask them what it means for them to have a grip on their life. And then the second thing I ask is them to tell the 10-minute version of their life story. Which happened to turn into the first part of our <laughs> entire podcast together. It became part okay. one. Yeah. It became part one. But honestly, that is the episode you have to listen to. Um, either before or after this one, but make sure you guys get that one in because Shelby talks a lot about like balancing the infinite versus the finite. We talk a lot about like her life journey with like homeschooling versus jujitsu, like just a lot. Being a kid growing up in jujitsu and now teaching kids jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, there's a lot of people that it can. Uh, yeah. It touches a lot of lives and we've gotten so much good feedback on that episode. So again, three parts, but we're coming back today for part two. And the part two that we're going to talk about today is really one of the most recent upswings of things, which is your journey into the 2023 World Championships, which is in June, so only a couple months ago, where you not only smashed it and won your division, but you also got your black belt on the podium. So my question for you today to start us off is, on I, from what I understand, your journey to the world stage was a little different than usual, and you had some things to combat with that you haven't had to deal with before. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the journey to Worlds? Okay, so... Journey to Worlds is going to be kind of similar to like my life story journey. It's just kind of, you know, picking up where we left off. That's almost how it feels to me because I always think of jiu-jitsu as my entire life. So if I'm competing or I'm training, everything is kind of just a snapshot of what the current situation is. So any other part of my life is kind of encapsulated in that tournament day mm-hmm. is how I view it. And specifically with my tournament footage, I really feel like uh, from one tournament to the next, let's say if there's one in April and then another one in like June, it's like that those two different performances are just showing everything leading up to that before the one before. So like if you can visualize what I mean by that, it's just like, let's say if there's a two month gap and then I'm going into like the actual day of the tournament, it feels like everything that happens throughout that day and all the little, um, you know, just the the little things that happen or like just the way I'm interacting with people or obviously the big thing that happens, like the actual results all is kind of just leading up from like those two months prior. We've got we a dog both. in That's, here as well. I don't even know if they can see her. We also they could just see her tail. We've got dogs happening. <laughs> we just, you, you keeping it real. All right. She's like, Oh, you're talking about interesting stuff. She, she was cute. She's like, she I was, like this. She okay. was cute. Um, so I always, like for me, jujitsu is just how I'm becoming a better person and it's what I occupy all of my time with. So every time I am competing, it means so much more to me than just the actual day. It's really just the lead up into it. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to go into when I really feel like the energy of world started to mm-hmm. um, started to unfold, which is actually October 2022. So I feel like my entire from October 2022 to June 23 was um, my lead up to world prep yeah uh so what happened in october is i got injured it was actually 
my first tournament at Brown Belt. I got my Brown Belt like a month before that. I did my first tournament. And at that tournament, something was kind of like set off with my knee. It wasn't even like about the fight. Mm -hmm. It was just um, like just an accumulation of just overuse and like undercare basically Mm -hmm. is the way I described it. But I was out for three months with that. So I was only training again in January. So I had to skip Europeans. So for those of you who maybe are in different circuits or don't aren't fully like immersed in jujitsu competition. There's a few different like seasons that different athletes are on. Like Kendall, like you're mm-hmm. on more of like an ADCC track. So like mm-hmm. all your, all your tournaments and stuff are kind Gets of more, more towards, around that. Big yeah, event. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like when you're doing trials, it's kind of in like the later part of the year. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're doing stuff that's like ADCC rule set specific, like you're trying to keep it yeah. kind of in the same rule set. So yeah. Um, since like what I'm doing is like for worlds, IBJJF worlds, kind of that season from January to June is um, the biggest thing of the year. So yeah. when I wasn't able to do Europeans in January, it was shocking. Well, it's a hard start to the season, right? Because when you think about those first six, that sort of the six months of the year, like you're saying, for most gi competitors that are competing in IBJJF, which is our highest level competitors, all the majors are in one part of the year. You got Europeans, Pan Ams, Brazilian nationals, and then worlds, right? And so with all of those together, to miss one of the four majors in the very beginning is a really rough start to your season. It's one thing, <laughs> it's one thing if it's planned, right? Like if someone's like, oh, I'm not going to do Europeans this year, but if have it taken out, like that affects the rankings, it affects how you're competing against the people you you know you're going to be fighting later on in Worlds and also just the energy of going into like Pans or Brasileiros as the European champion is a really big deal. Plus you've won Europeans before. Yeah, I had done Europeans. I might have to get fact-checked on this. I think for the (laughs) like three years in a row and one every year. Yeah. So this was like basically from my first like juvenile one to like actually getting into Mm -hmm. like being a competitive jiu-jitsu like person who's doing real tournaments mm-hmm. not just like kid tournaments um I did every single year so this was like my fourth year in the like adult division yeah and then my first year not doing European so that was Got devastating it. everyone leaves for Europe I'm here <laughs> alone and I-, I will also mention that that knee injury when I tried to come back from that also then morphed into neck injuries and back oh, injuries yeah, and just I everything because I was like coming into it way too fast I'd never actually had an injury that had taken me out yeah for like a few months like that so yeah. I just tried to like bulldoze my way back into it and that was hard too so hard on my body hard on my mind um very difficult like the most difficult time of my life which I didn't even fully like realize while I was in it yeah which is something that I know you can totally relate to because we will just push and like we just have so much love and effort to give that mm-hmm. even if the intention behind the actions changes, we're so dedicated to what that action means to us mm-hmm. that we don't recognize that there's been a shift and we need to like step back with the action. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of power in slowing down and taking inventory of like, how am I actually feeling? What am I automated? Am, am I automated? Am I on autopilot? Am I just going through the things that I feel like, when you're in that space of being injured, you wake up every day and you're like, what can I do today to get me closer to my goals? So yes, the actions change and yes, you're involved in the changing part of the process. But a lot of the times we don't check in with ourselves and it's like, wait, how am I actually feeling about what is going on? Like I'm just continuing to keep the goal the same, but I can't always keep the goal the same when my everyday life is changing. But like you said, when you're one of those driven people, you want to keep the goal the same no matter what. It's actually not honoring a lot of the time for me, like 
what's true for me in that moment. Like maybe the goal mm-hmm. does, need, does need to change or at least needs to move or like shift a little bit. Um, so it's easy to get lost in that when you don't check in with yourself on those things. Yeah. And then also being able to recognize that your goal needs to shift is one thing that I feel like you and I could both say, yeah, that needs to shift. But then to try to think like, well, it's okay that that's shifting right now. And then maybe it will shift again. Like not mm-hmm. projecting that shift as like an end all be all. Yeah. Because yeah. I think for me, I'm someone who just goes so deep into anything I do. If I'm training, I'm going into it all the way. If I have a competition coming up all the way, um, if I'm focusing on teaching, like I dive so deep when you're so deep into what you're doing, it could be really hard to like look around and realize you have to kind of like get yourself out of the hole and and then shift and then Mm -hmm. go down another one and then come back up. Like (laughs) you just want to keep digging down the same hole, (laughs) which is funny that I use the word digging because of that thing you just put up on, you put up a story um, on, on your Instagram saying something about like, um, just digging for the love to dig or like playing the game just for the love of like playing, you know, like digging, playing kind of like Mm -hmm. just the same thing, but Mm -hmm. that was on my mind. Like just like being the, in the enthusiasm of digging, whatever you're digging today and not having to attach it to what it's going to be tomorrow or not feeling like it's not enough today because there's more holes to, because there are more holes to dig. It's like, no, but today I'm digging this hole and I love it. Like I'm enthusiastic about it. Yeah. And, And now that I think about it, I feel like for me, because my enthusiasm, for just the action run so deep it like it like carries itself longer than it might actually be there Mm. so it's almost like if I'm if I'm training for something but then I have to like um, like if I'm going all the way in on my training I'm very enthusiastic about that it's like because it's so intense even if the real enthusiasm is like gone Mm. I can still carry carry myself with like the past so yeah, that's it's like why, the residual, like the yeah. it's momentum. Like yeah, you've built enough totally. momentum. The momentum. Yeah, I think you've built enough momentum for yourself over a lifetime of chasing one thing that even when it wavers a little bit, like you can still keep it pushing forward. But what but happens? What yeah. I'm learning is that that isn't always like it's taking you into a past. Yeah, it's not like yeah. really staying present with well, it's what's interesting. best. Yeah, like when you exactly like when you have a path carved and you have momentum around that path, your momentum can keep pushing you uh, down the same path. But if you don't ever stop and like look at the carved path and be like, wait a second, I carved this years ago. I don't actually know if this carving is still true today, but because it's so ingrained in the pattern, like I'm going to keep going on the pattern because I built up this energy and momentum. But what if I were able to zoom out and be like, okay, what is true for me today? Is it time to start carving something different? Or maybe I get to now carve multiple avenues and sometimes I can jump into that path and then sometimes I want to go a little to the right. And sometimes, so tell us what happened like when you're sitting watching Europeans and you're like, okay, I had this one path that I had carved for me and now I didn't even choose to go out of this carving. Like I was ripped out of it. Yeah. I mean, I was just devastated. Mm. I don't even know how else. Like it's just absolute devastation. I was competing before my injury. I was competing like once every two weeks. Like Mm -hmm. I hadn't lost for like two years straight and I wasn't competing. So it's not like I lost my winning streak but it felt like like it didn't actually matter if I had a winning streak or not Mm -hmm. that kind of like that meant nothing to me but the energy that I felt every day being in that flow that allowed me Mm -hmm. that streak Mm -hmm. was lost Mm -hmm. so that that was that was gone because I hadn't been training in the striving of it like when you're in the striving of having a goalpost and you're reaching the goalpost and then you get a new one and a new one and a new one it is really really electric and so oftentimes like we've shared this off camera before but when the goalpost is taken away, like you're kind of left with this, like the ashes of the fire now. And you're like, okay, I have this fire, but I don't really feel it because 
there's no thing to strive for, which is really powerful in a lot of ways because it makes you sit and feel like, okay, where do I want to put this fire if I can't put it there? Like, I think it's actually really important to be able to slow down and be like, if I didn't have this, who am I? Yeah. Like, what am I without this? You know, yeah. not that you're never going to go back to having it again. It's something I tell myself, like, like I'll literally say on this and be like, Kendall, don't worry. Like you're going to go back to having that feeling of competing, like doing all of these things at some point. But who are you without that? Because you're not always going to be that. There are things that are going to change it all the time. So mm-hmm. it's pretty important that you don't wait until you're 35 and 40 or whatever, however it, old yeah. people are when they retire. Yeah. And like then or the try number to, you've decided for what age mm-hmm, you should retire. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then figure it out. So it's really valuable. Like you were 19 at the time to have to sit with that uncomfortability. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, like I feel like when I was watching Europeans, like you said, and I was thinking about that stuff, the answer to like, oh, what am I if I'm not doing this was not a good answer. It was like, mm. I am like the worst. Like mm-hmm. I don't like myself not, yeah, nothing. at all. Yeah, yeah. There's the value. There's yeah, there's mm-hmm. no value. And, and I'm not saying no value to myself because also a part of me is very tied to my mission and I always feel like I can get back to that mission. But at that point, it was like, if I'm not on the mission, then there is no mm-hmm. value mm-hmm. because I'm so tied to that mission. But so that was Europeans. Um, fast forward a few months, going into PANS, I think I only competed like one time before PANS yeah. just because of the way the brackets were. Like it was just hard, hard for me to find um, mm-hmm. anyone to fight. Um, the The weight cut and just the energy around PANS was like, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life coming wow. out of that injury and having to recondition myself and fast mm-hmm. because I only really started being able to, I felt like I could move well, yeah. like at the end of January I and Pan Am's was in March. Mm-hmm. So it was coming fast and I was not like, I, I wanted to do pans of course, because it's like now my mission is back, but I was not feeling good yeah. day to day. I was not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know what I love, and I love jujitsu. So since I have that path, I just like you know keep going down that path. Fast forward to Pan Am's, my first fight uh, had a like didn't show up, so I went straight to the finals, um, and I lost that final by a penalty that I received. And I don't say this story for pity. <laughs> I say this story just as kind of like setting the stage to explain how weird of a place I was in so I lost this final fight by a penalty that I received for pointing to my opponent's reap Mm -hmm. so like in theory she should have gotten the penalty you know Mm -hmm. if what I was pointing to was correct but because I saw them put up a penalty I thought they gave it to her yeah so I actually thought that I won the fight Mm. I thought I was up a penalty not Mm. down a penalty and I don't say this I really like I'm not saying this for pity I think um but it's exactly what should have happened yeah um right when the time was done and I looked up and I realized I saw I heard her team cheering and I realized I looked up and my professor was just the most like shocked gasp and I was trying to say to him through like you know from the space like I thought I won like I I thought I won and then he just kind of put his arms up and that like that whole day I just kept thinking oh I'm so stupid how could I how could I fight in a way to where I thought I was winning I thought I was up and then I was playing it too safe that isn't me playing it safe isn't me because what happened is like I felt like I was winning the fight so I kind of just you know wasn't in like fully like Mm -hmm. in gear yeah. Um, but now looking back, I just see I was 
detached from what I was doing. Yeah. I, I was just trying to like win for the sake of winning, mm-hmm. um, not just doing for the sake of like doing, which mm-hmm. is why I do jujitsu because I love jujitsu and that's what I love to do. Yeah. Um, I don't actually really care about winning or losing. I always say to myself and like to the people around me that if I lose, it's because like I had a lesson to learn. Like it doesn't really affect me that much, but that affected me not for the actual loss, but how hard I was on myself for um, once making I, a mistake. Yeah, once I recognized that I was ma- once I recognized like where I was, and I was like, oh, that wasn't me fighting my best. I was so mad at myself mm-hmm. for not like fighting my best. I was so upset. Yeah, and so that's kind of like. I feel like that was the lesson of pans. Mm. Like, why are you so mad at yourself for making the mistake? It's okay. Yeah. And the mistake goes past um, the call. It it right. just kind of went into me not giving, like, I always say it to the kids that I teach, like, just full effort is what matters. Mm-hmm. And I can, and I tell them, I can see when you're giving that effort. Yeah, I can see when yeah. you're not. So to look back at that footage. And know it within yourself. Like, I did not yeah. give my full effort. That is a really hard place to be in it's to look at. It's yeah. really hard, especially yeah. because I preach to my students yeah. that you should be giving your full effort. Yeah. And I'm not mad at them if they don't. I just want them to do better. But it's like, okay, can I look at myself? Can I open up the laptop, look at flow grappling, watch the fight? It's hard just, to watch too. Yeah. When you, it's not always hard to not, to watch when you've lost, but for me, it's hard to watch when I know I didn't give my best. When I look back on old performances and I'm like, oh, I got kind of complacent there. Oh, I was like respecting them way too much and not giving my like. Then it's like hard for me to watch. So I'm like, oh no, like I'm not that version of me anymore. But then having mm-hmm. compassion for that that girl too and being like, oh, I'm not her anymore. But I love you. Yeah. Like you made me who I am. But like we don't need to do that again. Totally. It's like a, it's really important to be able to look that stuff in the face and not shy away from it yeah Mm -hmm. and I've always been someone who loves to watch competition footage like I watch it I I I watch my competition footage like 10 20 30 times not all in one day but just to build because I just love comparing one performance to another and like Mm. building between that that's just like what like lights me up Mm. um that's but so you, funny because I'm the opposite. I hate watching my own competition footage. I, it doesn't matter if I like smashed it in one. I don't like watching. I'll watch it with my coach to like dissect what needs to be addressed. But I don't know if it's because I just feel like every – I know that you feel this way too, but or I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you feel this way too, but maybe it expresses itself differently where like I look back on a version and I'm like I'm definitely not that – like every day I'm like, oh, like I evolved yeah. into – like I don't even know her. Like, a yeah. week, like Kendall a week ago, I'm like I don't even – you know, there is – like there's this essence of like the soul that is me. Like if I zoomed out and I like watched Kendall from down below, right? Like here in my physical body, if like my little soul yeah. zoomed out and looked down on us right here, right now, I can see this physical body. And then in a week, maybe the soul is the same that zooms out, but the physical body, like what's going on here on earth is different, right? To get like super woo woo for a second. Totally. But the match footage for me is the same. Whereas like I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know that girl but for some reason like maybe for you it's fun to watch the evolution of it for me i'm like i don't even i don't know how to explain i just like i'm like no i don't want to watch it i don't know her anymore like i don't (laughs) what's happening today like i don't maybe it's because too like i'm so committed to being whatever comes next after her Mm -hmm. that like i don't know it's something to explore i have resistance to it though for sure yeah i don't want to watch it and i do too and that's why like i really just love to like lean into it Mm -hmm. um I mean, we all choose, like, what type of resistance we want to, like, dissolve. Right, and for me, right. that that seems to be, like, a really powerful hurdle Tool, to yeah. jump. And I feel like when I 
am watching my competition footage, I can very easily go into like critique of like who she was, but I also have to realize whoever that person was there, like there's, there's no guarantee that um, maybe some of that, I would say with that particular fight, it was um, okay. <laughs> let me, let me go back. When I say giving full effort, it's really easy for people to think that means like trying, trying your best. Right. But in the moment, you're never thinking you're not trying your best. Mm -hmm. And if you do catch yourself thinking, oh, I'm not trying my best, and you don't immediately correct it, then you're actually just perpetuating the not trying of your best. And then you're kind of digging yourself into a hole. So all that to say, when I am like watching my competition footage, and I can see points where I'm like not giving my best, I know that if I am watching this, and I just don't, and I'm not letting her not give her best, Mm -hmm. Then the next time I'm training or competing and I find myself feeling like, oh, let's turn back on. I'm not there. I'm going to get mad at myself in that moment for not turning back on. Mm. So it's like I'm trying to like kind of do some like side work before I'm actually training. It's like a forcing system. Yeah. Yeah. Because I need to be able to watch that footage and think that's okay that you had a moment. Like, let's just get back into it. Like, let's let's build up that pace again. And even if I know in that fight I didn't, it's like, well, I know I feel it in myself right now, like getting that energy mm-hmm. back and kind of building that pace back up. Um, but when it comes to giving full effort, a lot of the time my kids, like the students that I teach, uh, little kids, like six-year-olds, they yeah. get confused because they say, oh, Professor Shelby, I'm always trying my best. But distractions of like respecting your opponent too much mm-hmm. or uh, feeling afraid of losing or getting tired those are all distractions from full effort so it's really Mm -hmm. it's not just like oh if you're doing badly if you're losing you're not giving effort it's like just what is the intention like behind that yeah so when you're watching the footage it's like a version of training because you're like pre-training the response the emotional response you're going to have to watching the thing or feeling the thing or experience the thing so that when you go into training it's not the first like you're getting more reps in rather than only doing it in training or competition did you feel like you had pressure and you may have already been planning to mention this but did you feel like you had pressure after pans after that loss going into the tournaments to come and obviously worlds following soon after of thinking it might be your last brown belt season? Well, for the past, so around the time I was like 15, if they listened to the first part there, you know, this is when I kind of like really dug in and decided jujitsu is what I'm doing. And when I started to kind of explore that more and think, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean to win your rookie year at black belt? Mm. Like who's done that? What does that feel like? Like just kind of getting more into, oh, like what is a grand slam? Like do I want a grand slam? Like just different questions that I never really explored. Really quickly I was like, I want to win Brown Belt Worlds and um, get my black belt like right after that on the podium. I said that like – and that's that's what happened. Um, But I didn't know that – I didn't know that was going to happen at all. But I've been kind of like in that – I've been wanting that for years. That's been very – also, this is like very nuanced. But um, like probably if you aren't in the IBJJF circuit, people wouldn't really understand this. Mm -hmm. But when you win Brown Belt Worlds, you don't need any points to qualify for Black Belt Worlds. Mm. So usually Black Belts need to like compete a little bit Mm -hmm. to – like qualify for black belt worlds but if you win at brown belt you're automatically you're automatically so the concept in my mind of 
having that Mm -hmm. and being able to go into worlds with no points, which of course I'm not actually going to go into worlds with no points. Like I love to compete, but just the idea, that idea Mm -hmm. captivated me like no other for years. Mm. The thought that winning Brown belt worlds and not needing points Mm. to go into your black belt. So that I, right after I lost pans, I said, okay, like that's okay because I'm winning worlds. Like I knew that's all that mattered to me. Mm. And really for like the first six months, that is all that mattered when I was trying to do all my like equations of like, Oh, if I don't do Europeans, like where can I fight this girl that I, it's all just centered around and what makes me win worlds. Mm, Um, the year before at purple belt, I won Europeans pants worlds. Um, so I was kind of used to that, I guess, like yeah. winning tournaments leading up to my world titles. Yeah. So I didn't have that this time. But the foundation that I built from pans to worlds, just refinding my center and like just reinvigorating my love for what I do. Um, jiu-jitsu, just like, you know, everything that like I want to do like every day yeah. kind of reminded me that like the goal of worlds is there but I'm not afraid of anything that means I'm I'm not afraid of losing worlds. I'm not afraid of winning worlds. I'm not afraid of not getting promoted. Like I don't care. I'm just doing what I love. So how do you balance putting the thing on the pedestal of far, as far as like winning worlds and having that be shiny and then being able to enter black belt worlds with no points and all this stuff and having passion around that. How do you have that be so intense and have the but I don't care if I lose or I'm not afraid of what happens at Worlds because having like a big shiny thing like that, in my opinion, for goal setting is important. Like when you think about the why, because if you have a strong enough why, we've heard that before. If your why is strong enough, you'll figure out the how. So then you're motivated to do all the hard, really difficult things that you're doing every day that get you to the shiny thing. So how do you balance having the big enough why to make the how possible? Because the how is very difficult while also not putting the pressure on yourself of needing to get the shiny thing. Because a lot of times what happens to people, and this used to happen to me, is you make the shiny thing so important so that the how is unquestionable. You're going to do anything that it takes, right? But for me, when I was younger or in past years, then if I got to the shiny thing and I didn't get it and I didn't win, then it felt like all the how was not worth it. It was a waste of time because I didn't get the the why. I didn't get the whole the whole purpose around it. For me was to get that thing. So you don't get that thing, then why did I do all that stuff? Right? So how do you balance that when this is something you've been dreaming of since you were 15? Yeah, so this kind of I take it back to my the kids that I teach mm-hmm. um because teaching is such a big part of my life and it actually in recent years as my my little babies have grown up a little more yeah. and they're competing all the time they all went to pan kids like we had a few yeah. um, wins at pan kids uh, of my students they're competing all the time they're competing tomorrow mm-hmm. they like in the past year they've gotten really big on competing and I've been you know the person leading them into that with them at every tournament Um, so a lot of this kind of just goes back to the stuff that I would tell them and the stuff that I see from them. Mm. So when I was in between Pans and World and I was trying to figure out, I was like about a week after Pans, life just started to go downhill as in like, I was (laughs) like, it was just not even related to Pans because I was like, all right, next thing. Like, let's get Pans out of the way. Like, Mm -hmm. let's go to the next thing. But I was training with this energy of just like, being miserable I I wasn't happy like it was just like because pans 
didn't work out. Now let's go to world. So it mm-hmm. works out. So I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So that week. Yeah. Was, skipping the emotional discomfort. Yeah. Like how, how quickly can yeah. I get back into feeling good? Totally. Yeah, yeah. Trying to skip. The bypass, bypass the whole. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Which is normal. And it's what most of us try to do. It's the same thing with the injury. Like I don't want to experience the emotional discomfort of realizing my goalpost now has to change. And so I'm just going to do whatever I can in the day to day to like bypass that emotional experience and just be like, okay, well now this is my goal. And now this is the, and like get back into the energy that I'm used to, that I'm comfortable with, right? How can I get back to comfort and to like what feels like Kendall to me? When in fact, like what Kendall is, is shifting in this moment. If I allow the emotional discomfort to allow me to have a new experience. So you weren't doing that at first, but then what happened? But then about a week after every day was just getting worse and worse don't want to go into details. Um, <laughs> just imagine your worst day. And yeah. it's like that for like seven days in a row. Yeah. And about day seven, I I seriously went, wow, I need to completely change as a person mm. and basically flipped a switch that wow. guided me into worlds. Um, and that switch, very basically, I will say, was just about – it was it was centered around wanting to do well at worlds. That was a motivation to do this work. Um, the work needed to be done, and it's always easier to have a goal to do the work, right? So, I knew that the only way I would win worlds is if I was enjoying my life, and mm-hmm. if I was not enjoying my life, I would not win worlds. So, yeah. because I'd spent all these years wanting to win worlds, I knew that if I wanted that, I had to enjoy my life. So it's like, wow, I'm really not enjoying my life. Now I need to figure out how to enjoy my life. So what's interesting is like what you've been able to do is you pick the goalpost that simultaneously, like it's telling you, okay, I need to enjoy my life. That's the easiest chance or the best chance or the most likely chance I have at attaining this thing that I want to attain. But it also simultaneously is the thing that gives you the best shot at your personal development, at your growth. And so when we talk about like, I think you may have, or maybe you still have it in your Instagram bio. And you and I have talked about it a lot of like, my jujitsu is a conduit of like making myself better. Like, and people say self-improvement a lot, but also achieving something greater, being something greater for other people. Like just finding my purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really less about winning the world, even though that can be a great marker to say like, okay, winning the world is this thing. What do I need to do to become the person that can win worlds? And I know Mm -hmm. you're going to talk about that too, because we've talked about it before, but what do I need to do to become that person, right? Now, it just so happens that I think what many successful people do is what they need to do to become that person is also the same thing they need to be do just to elevate their lives in general inside. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's just, I want to mention that before you go into the process of actually doing it, because yes, what you did and all the work you did helped you in worlds, but more than that, it helped you become the person that you want to be. It just so happens that you pick goals that align with that. So mm-hmm. the person who you became that you want to be, that you're still, of course, and like to be continued every day mm-hmm. is the person that could achieve the thing. But if we can find a way, I think this is a challenge for many of us, like, how do you choose your goals, right? People totally. ask that question a lot. Like, well, what do I choose? Like, do I choose competing? Do I choose, like, being a great mom? Do I choose this thing at work? Well, it really comes down to, like, who is the person you think that can achieve that thing that you want to achieve? And does that align with who you want to be on a daily mm-hmm. basis and who you want to become? Right? Yeah. And on that note, I find, um, as an advocate for jujitsu that if you – like, you can't always have such tangible goals if you're thinking, oh, I want to be a great mom – it's hard. Like you can't find, Yeah. you can on a day-to-day basis think, oh, I'm doing this. And I know that was better than I did the day before. Um, but it's harder for more abstract goals. Like, oh, I want to be happy or mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. want to be a good daughter. Like those types of questions. There's no real like 
oh, do I have a medal in my face to see if I got closer to that thing? Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it's like as you deep dive into other topics, right? Like you and I both as non-mothers, I'm sure that like yeah. a mom could listen to this and be like, no, 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 there are. And I'm just, and we're just not saying what they are. But I think the concept you're pointing out was important rather than saying like, I'm a good mom. It'd be picking something tangible that has to do with motherhood. Or like same with jiu-jitsu though. It's not like, oh, I want to get better at jiu-jitsu. I want to be good at jiu-jitsu. What does that mean? Yeah. You know, it's like, it doesn't have to be winning a competition. It can be other stuff, but it has to be something that's tangible or there's nothing to measure. Yeah. And I think when you have something tangible to measure in one part of your life, it's going to reflect that in all the other ones too. So that's why I think like even someone who is on a quest to, I don't want to keep saying better mom because we are not moms. You're so (laughs) underqualified. Um, like just, so you say like being a good friend, yeah, being like, or being a good partner, like a romantic partner. Like there's so many things that you and I try to be, but if you plug a tangible thing into it, it's easier to, yeah. Yeah. And I also think that because jujitsu is just one part of your life if you are if you have that gold medal in your face and you did do that tangible thing it's also going to affect the other parts of your life Mm -hmm. if caveat if you did that preparation in the way that was for self-exploration and not just for like a need to win Mm -hmm, or like mm -hmm. a want to win so when i had that gold medal world well really sorry the, the important distinction though is the wanting to win is in that case if you're not doing the self the self-development to get to the thing that gives you the goal. Like if we're not, if you're off the path of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. then really the want to win is not a want to win. Totally. It's a fear of losing. Totally. Exactly. It's, yes. it's like, I love like, that. Like it's actually the opposite. The drive, the want, the excitement about winning is what in my experience and what I'm mirroring in your experience is the thing that motivates you to do all the work that helps you become the person who gets it. In my personal experience, when I've been the person that thought what I wanted was to win, but really it was a fear. It was Mm -hmm. fear-based. It was, if I don't get this, then what does that mean about me? Am I not good enough? Do I not measure up? Um, Is my work not worth its time if I don't get X, Y, or Z? So really it's like, we're using the same word, oh, want to win and what's the reason. But in my experience, it's actually two completely different emotional experiences with the goal itself. So anyway, so it sounds like as long as you're in the, like you kind of use the, you can use positive versus negative, but I mostly mean energy, like positive energy driving you to something versus negative fear-based energy driving you to something. As long as you're in the positive base, then you're going to have that self-exploration process or that self, that personal development process. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's also like, if someone's listening, it, it can get a little bit confusing if we're using the same words to describe two totally different Mm -hmm. processes. But I think that is so common in like just our everyday, the way we interact. Like we're always – no one knows what we actually mean when we're using any words. So it's like just saying like the want to win. Chris always uses the thing private language. Have you heard him say that? uh -uh. No, there's this – oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. But it's just like I don't know. I forgot where he even read it from. But him and his brother Steve always use this like phrase like, oh, private language. Like when I say the word happy, I have no idea what you think happy means. Like I literally have no idea. And like we are using our own private language with it. It's an an amazing thing that we communicate as well as we do as human beings because we have no idea if we're understanding each other at all. Yeah. Like if you really, I don't spend too much time thinking about that because it gives me like such a mind fuck. But if you I really know. think about it, you're like, oh my God, do I even know anybody? <laughs> yeah. Like do I only know people up. through my lens? Yeah. Through my vocabulary. My private language. Like it is private language. So anyway, going back to what you said, it's like the goal thing, using the word goal is very much private language, I think, because yeah. a goal can be something again, that's like positive. You're striving. It's exciting. It's motivating. Or it can be fear-based. 
right? Totally. And to me, those are two different things. And I've experienced both of them vastly. Like I'm definitely not above the fear-based one, but I do have a little bit more awareness now, or sometimes I forget and then I remember again and then I forget mm-hmm. and then I remember again, or I'm like in the dark and then I'm in the light and like, I can see, you know, you know, that whole yeah. process that we never stop going through, yeah. but I'll recognize like, wait a second, I put that on my goal list or like as a thing I wanted to do really because of fear. Was it financial insecurity? Was it self-importance? Was it validation? Like, was it not being loved? Was it being loved? Like all of those things. Why did I actually put that on that list? Yeah. Cause it wasn't out of love. It was out of fear. So yes, when we use the word goal, we need to keep in mind that like we're talking about two different ideas yeah totally yeah. but it was a positive idea for you is what yeah. we're hearing so what yeah. work did you actually get into after that horrible week so I my mom gave me a bunch of Joe Dispenza books and she was like I listened to this guy on a podcast mm-hmm. like read a book so I, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I started listening to Joe too was from Lewis oh, House funny. but my mom had told me about him so many times she was like sending me links She's like you need to listen to this just listen to this just listen to this and I was like oh my God, mom, you send me people and things like all the time. Then I listened to the podcast on, of him on Lewis House and I was obsessed. So how funny yeah. that it both came from I our know. moms. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny. We when, have good moms. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even realize you were into. Yeah. Only one. Right. I started, so I picked up one of those books. She, she bought like all of Joe Spence books. I picked up whichever one like kind of felt right. Yeah. And a few pages in, I was like, wait, is this the guy that Kendall went to the retreat? And it yes. was. And I I voice memoed you. Yeah. Like right after I finished like meditating one day. And Crazy. I was like, this is so weird. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I had never really done any like meditation or like mindfulness work mm-hmm. um, at all. Or like I thought I did. But compared yeah. to what I've done now, no, I did nothing. Um, but basically like after the first day that I just kind of sat down and spent like 10, 15 minutes like clearing my mind – and getting to a place of like stillness and center, I realized, oh, wait, where I'm here right now is the same place that I am when I'm training and mm. I'm at my very best or I'm competing and I'm at my very best. Like a flow state, right? Yeah. People, people use the word flow state a lot. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of shocking to me because I didn't fully realize that it was a choice to get there. Mm. It was kind of just random. It was like, oh, I either have a good competition day or a bad competition day. Of course, I can attribute good or bad to factors leading up to it. Like Mm -hmm. I could say I had a bad hand experience because of injury leading up to it or like just lack of experience. Um, And that's why I wasn't Mm -hmm. able to get into the flow. But it's like, if I'm just sitting here meditating and I can get into the flow, it's like, it's not that far away. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> yeah, the flow state's always available to us. Yeah, so yeah. to realize like, oh, wait, I can just access this through doing nothing. Mm-hmm. That was really weird to me because I would always think I have to do something to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. But to close my eyes and do physically nothing mm-hmm. and to get into flow – actually like changed my entire life Mm. and I think it's going to change the trajectory of my entire life because now I see um, that exercise of getting into flow like people say they use jujitsu for meditation purposes you know and I never understood that because I started when I was a kid and it was always just so rough and tumble Mm -hmm. and it wasn't something that I joined out of a need for some inner peace or like nothing Mm -hmm. like that I was just a kid so growing up and becoming an adult who's now doing this thing that other adults use yeah. for purposes that I've never even thought about changed my entire lens of jujitsu mm. and myself. 
and realize, oh, the reason I'm doing this is so much bigger than I thought it was before. Mm-hmm. It's but really- you've never really been without it. So yeah. you didn't know that you needed it, but now it's such a part of your life. And then especially all that time injured and not being able to access that. It's like you didn't you don't really know what's missing until it's gone a lot totally. of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's as if I, I think like we need to be in that flow state. We need to get there for me to stay sane. Mm-hmm. I thought the only way a human, me human, gets there <laughs> is by training well. Right. And I would feel good about myself if I was training or competing well. Mm-hmm. But the only way that I'd train or compete well is if I was in the flow state, mm. you know, that feeling. Yeah. Um, but then, and it felt like it was happening outside of your control. So it's just almost like yeah. a numbers game. It's like, if I just keep training, totally. then I'll get enough flow sessions in. And then hopefully if I do that enough, then I'll show up on competition day and I'll get it. But now yeah. you're sitting still in your room or at the beach or whatever. And you're like, wait, I can access this all the time as long as I'm intentional around it. So you start doing this work and then that's what, like a month and a half away from two months away from worlds. Month, yeah. What were you doing on a daily basis? Like, did you start having to practice this regularly? Was it before training, after training? Yeah, I was doing this basically, I would meditate for like 10 to 45 minutes every day, like after I would train. Mm. And so I did that for about like three or four weeks. I was feeling good. I was feeling good. Just starting to feel good again. Yeah. That's the only way to yeah. say it. Like, I'll keep it simple. Just feeling like myself again. And then I got hurt again, my neck. Yeah. Um. So then I was basically out of training for like two, three weeks mm. again. Yeah. Um. So Really I, close to Worlds, too. Yeah. So I really yeah. only had like three weeks to train before Worlds. Mm-hmm. So I had three total weeks and then like went into Worlds. Um. But that time that I was like injured again, like I don't like to keep referring to injury – again and again because it feels so repetitive it feels so like heavy and like dense but really let's just say like not in a state like I couldn't train Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay I I couldn't train so I couldn't train for like two three weeks and usually I would just spiral every time that that would happen Uh, but this time I really just went a lot deeper and I realized oh if I don't maybe I can't do worlds I don't know and how would that make me feel and I thought I'd feel okay with that and it's like well how would you feel if you do do if I am able to do worlds it's like well, I'm happier with that option, yeah. um, but I'm not so miserable without it. Mm. So realizing – You dropped the need or the attachment to yeah. the thing. Yeah, because I couldn't even know if I was – I didn't know if I was going to be able to compete at Worlds. Right. And that thought used to freak me out. But feeling the energy of that being okay was like, hold on. Like I can just be happy right now today yeah. even if Worlds never exists, even if yeah. Worlds never comes. Mm-hmm. and. I, people would probably say that if you're not training like five weeks out from the biggest tournament of the year, like good luck. Mm -hmm. But, and that's never something I'd done before. Mm -hmm. I really only had like a three week camp, like Mm -hmm. what you call it. I couldn't even like run or do much cardio because like the movement hurt Mm -hmm. my neck. Mm -hmm. Um, So like traditionally that would be horrible and you'd be going into world's afraid yeah afraid like just mm-hmm. absolutely terrified feeling unprepared yeah. yeah but I felt I felt more prepared than I ever had before and when I was able to step on the mat again um I was just feeling I was feeling better every day I was just mm. unlocking like this new part of me and this is going back to like 20 or 30 minutes ago probably a question that you asked <laughs> um but the game became priming myself for the best possible performance so I told myself every day I don't care what hardship is going to come up um whatever I'm doing, like give it to me as hard as it needs to come. If it's going to result in me giving the best performance of my life Mm -hmm. at worlds. And that was a direct 
um, a direct response to me feeling like I didn't perform well at PANS, past yeah. wins, past losses. Yeah. I didn't feel like I did what I know I can do. Mm-hmm. So world just kind of became, to me, I stopped caring about the result and just how am I going to prime myself for the best possible Yeah, it's a new stage, a new opportunity to set the stage and have your performance. And what's interesting when you say that is like, you know, many times when we're going, like speaking for myself, going into a big competition like ADCC, Worlds, Pan Ams, these big events, every training session you go in, you're trying to beat everybody. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that if I beat everybody up and tap everybody out and then I get to Worlds, then like I'm in good shape. And that means that I can win because look what I did in the room. When in reality, what you're saying sounds to me like something totally different. It's actually like, wait, no, give me the hardest challenges. Like mm-hmm. give me the best opportunities that like rip me apart and open me up and force me to a new level of exploration of performance. Because we know that we get our best performances if you, you know, if you're in this state, you can get your best performance when you are like shoved into the fire. You know, once you're shoved in the fire, like if you're open to it, then you are allowed this opportunity to like really bring something out of yourself that you haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're in that comfort zone, not to say it's not hard to go in and train hard and tap everyone out. That's a different kind of hard, but it's still hard. It's like very physically demanding. It's mentally demanding, but you don't have to pull you don't have to go into the fire all the time for that. Or it's like, you're kind of in like the baby flames, (laughs) you know? So it's like, I love the distinction between actually I was going into the training saying, give me everything you got, like Mm -hmm. rip me apart, give me every opportunity for me to show what I'm made of so that that gives me the best opportunity to go into the world on a new stage and show what I have to offer rather than being prepped just to win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you even saying showing what you have to offer could go back into like the semantics of what you said about private language. Mm. Um, Because in the past, showing what I have to offer was to prove something. But this just became completely about, um, at least consciously, what I viewed Mm -hmm. it as is I'm going to go into worlds giving the best that I've ever given to show – people to show my students um just anyone around me who could benefit from seeing something like that that you can do anything because if I can do it you can do it that's what it totally became like I want to perform really well because if I can do it then you can do it yeah and really mainly saying that to my students who Mm. are just they're so young they're forming like their brain like every day they're different like every day they are growing and like just finding themselves And I just really wanted to be able to show them, even when it's hard, like you go out and you can do anything. And yeah, just saying that's like anyone who follows me, like my Mm -hmm. immediate family, extended friends, like anyone, it was just, I really felt like I was carrying the energy of my whole like tribe. Like I was like, guys, look, like, look at me because you can do the same thing. And like, we're supporting each other and I can do it and you can too. Mm -hmm. Um, So actual like day of worlds. Most, like, probably craziest day of my life. (laughs) I had three fights, and I submitted two of those fights, and I think I had no points scored against me, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure. My first fight, um, basically, my first fight, I fought someone who I actually, like, had fought a few times before that, and it was about maybe, like, four or five minutes into the fight that I actually got caught in an arm bar. Mm-hmm. And I was so caught in this arm bar <laughs> that I 
had my hand up to tap. Oh my god! Oh, it was horrible. Oh, I it didn't was cracking and popping. I was completely my arm was completely extended. Oh my god! And at this point, it was but like I was fighting against. It was like as if there was no girl in front of me. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was like just me. I was fighting against all of these thoughts that were plaguing me mm. about like maybe it is just okay to lose. Maybe mm. you did already try your best. The preparation is the lesson you learned. Mm-hmm. These are thoughts that I remember having as my arm is extended yeah. in Jeez. real time, probably like four seconds, yeah, but yeah. in my head, an eternity. Yeah. And these thoughts just kept coming. And it was like, just me thinking like, okay, maybe the lesson, just any work that I tried to do being undone. Mm. So if I told myself, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm going to perform my best. Then it was like, oh, well, maybe, like, the preparation was you performing your best. Yeah. You know, everything yeah. that I thought to myself was being undone. It was, like, mm. just a complete unwinding. And my my arm is extended. And you can see – you might have to clip this in because yeah. it, it looks crazy. Yeah. My mouth is, like, wide open. And I'm just, like, like, like purging. That's mm. how – like, just purging this energy. That's how it feels. Like, it looks like I'm about to die. <laughs> And when I look back at this, it looks like I'm about to die. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like I was about yeah. to die because I know I have all these eyes on me and I said I was going to perform my best, but now my arm is extended. Like yeah. I was up in the fight, but I'm like, I don't even care if I'm up in the fight. I'm going to have to tap. It's all over. It's all going to be over. I have my hand up to tap and then it's just like, it's just like I died. Yeah, yeah, Something yeah. died yeah. and I was there. And you just see, a, even talking about it, like it, it makes my heart like, it's so hard to explain yeah. in words, but like, you just have to yeah. add the clip because yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. My 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 hands up to tap, and it switches to where I grip the pants, mm-hmm. and I just like hail mary pull my arm out, wow. and immediately pass the guard, wow. pass her guard, and go straight to a submission. Wow, that's and wild. I was like about to cry after that fight. I was looking, and and my my mom and my dad were looking at me with tears in their eyes because they knew they mm. knew what that meant. And right after that happened, when I had that like death, and I just kind of like came out of that, I said, "Oh, this is mine." Yeah, yeah. no, none of those yeah. thoughts are going to plague me for these next two fights. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. Um, and I was just, it was like that was the last thing I needed to really like clear all that out of me. Yeah, and I turned that tap into a grip. I pulled the grip down. I pulled my arm out mm. and went straight like past her guard, like within those three seconds. Wow. So then I had my second fight. My third fight was against the girl that I lost to at Pans, yes, which was like the weird penalty match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I was so excited about. I was hoping yeah. the bracket would turn out that way. Um, but I also didn't really care. Cause you know, I was just so involved in like the present moment. I was like, I don't care how the bracket yeah. unfolds, but I would love to fight her again. And I just went into that fight as that like reborn self. I don't know how else yeah. to explain it. Um, I, I shook the hands, which, this is kind of another thing. I don't think I've ever said this publicly, but it really resonates with me so much. When I was younger and I would see um, that people would get three refs mm-hmm. for finals of like big tournaments, yeah. all I wanted was three, the three refs. refs. That's all I wanted. It meant so much to me. So when I won my first world title and I had those three refs, it was just like a light mm. was like, I was just like shaking the hand, running. And I just felt the energy of like my professors, like yeah. every good black belt in the world like everyone who's ever won a world title just the energy of that as I'm going to shake the hand and I was just like I just love this and I ended up I think submitting her in like three minutes Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I went through it was like maybe 8-0 10-0 something like some high racked up a score 
um, and got the submission. Yeah. And I looked up and I was like, oh, I did it. Yeah. And it was kind of like the consciousness, <laughs> yeah. con- consciousness came back to me. I was like, oh, oh, that's the thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just did it. And of course, right after that, I actually got asked by, um, I got asked by someone like, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. And I literally said, oh, I just, I feel like a black belt. <laughs> um, not knowing I was going to get my black belt. Yeah, and then cute. a few minutes later, I go up to the podium and I get my black belt. Aww. And I mean, I just knew. Yeah. I already knew that I was a black belt. Mm-hmm. I was fighting like a black belt. That's what it means to me to fight yeah. like a black belt. So yeah. that was kind of like the day of worlds, the day of, which yeah. is, and like, which is why I think that jujitsu is just the best way that a person who's drawn to it mm-hmm. can develop and can mm-hmm. become a better person. Um, because I have that day and I have this medal and I have this footage that shows 20 or 19 at the time, 19 years of work mm-hmm. leading up to that moment. And like yeah. everything I was at that moment. Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, we're going to clip in the the part of the armbar because that's so intense. And I have moments of myself too, where I can like look back at footage and you really, really see like a big psychological shift happen within yourself. And like what a privilege to be able to see that on a camera, right? It's yeah. like, such a fun experience. So, okay. So going into the podium, you get your black belt and one of the things that I remember you talking about before off camera was like you became the person who fought like a black belt before you actually proved it to yourself or kind of in the process of yeah. worlds, like you became the person moving up. So now moving forward because we're going to wrap up today's episode and then we'll talk about more in part three because mm-hmm. we'll have you back. What does it mean to you right now to be living like a black belt and training like a black belt and competing like a black belt. Is it anything different than what you just said that day? Or obviously, you know, when I ask you in a year or two years, like there's more maturity that comes with time and experience. But right now, what does that feel like to you? Uh, Yeah, so it's it's very similar to that day. And I feel like actually what happened is uh, the few weeks right after Worlds was a total revert like I totally went back mm. in my mindset my process and I thought oh I lost it I had something so good and I lost it yeah but even the thought of thinking that I lost it is the problem like that thought <laughs> yeah. that I lost it that yeah. is that's what I need to lose you mm-hmm, know what I mean mm-hmm. um well it's kind of going back again like after big <laughs> events like there is it's very normal to have these big emotional upswings and like for me, I know it's important to have people around me that understand me really well. Like my mom's one of those people for me where like after I compete, like there is a big emotional process, whether you win or lose, right? There's actually a documentary that's really sad about that, but mm. it's about um, like Olympic athletes and like post-Olympic depression and stuff. So you just have this huge, amazing event. You that's have the- real. That's really real. Yeah. I think every title I've ever got has some, has that to some mm. extent. Yeah. I mean, you like you literally, you're like, I had an ego death in the competition. Like, yeah. well, I'm getting arm barred. So yeah. But there's a lot to process here, right? So, yeah, but no, you, for sure. But you get out of the event, and I know that you had an event that you competed in after that, but it still is not the same magnitude that Worlds yeah, no. holds in a lot of ways. And so when you have this giant thing where you wake up and you have a mission every day, and you're on mission and you're on purpose, and then that thing kind of goes away, it's not to say like there are some people, especially in the athletic space, where their whole life revolves around one tournament and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And then so after that, their purpose is like, they don't feel like they're, they're not sure what the purpose is. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of uh, chemical things happening with yeah. like your serotonin and your dopamine and all that. But with you, I know that you had something on the calendar soon after and you went to Japan and you competed and you won. But it's still not the same magnitude of world. So how did you manage like those experiences right after feeling like the mission was like gone, completed, checked off the list. And all of a sudden, like 
I, all I have today is my 24 hours, like whatever time it is. Like I woke up at seven o'clock this morning until then, like those are the only hours I have. Like what I did yesterday was really cool. I don't want to discount that. Like it's part of who I am, but at the same time, like all I have right now is the present moment today. So was that difficult? Was it hard at first and then you liked it or like, what was your process after? Um, well, I always get kind of that similar experience with, you know, like post Olympics depression type thing after like I get a new belt. Mm. Um, it's always been like that. So to have worlds plus the black belt at the same time felt like a, yeah, felt like a lot, um, definitely a lot more than I ever had before, but I also, I felt more equipped than ever to handle it. Mm. Um, I think that well, the heightened suite. The just want to mention too, like especially for li- listeners, like heightened states are beautiful. One thing that I've had to learn as a person who comes by extremes really naturally is that, like, who am I to expect that I'm supposed to stay at these heightened states all the time? Because if I force myself to try to stay in this heightened state, like what goes up must come down. Like it's gonna, I'm gonna have a hard backswing if I expect myself to stay in the heightened state at all time. Like, so instead it's like, if I can go up to the heightened state and prepare myself to kind of come back to neutral again without mm-hmm. having to dip way low into yeah. the like, really depleted state. Um, and there are tangible ways you can do that. Like one of the things for me is like, again, being able to talk things through with people who know me really well, mm-hmm. not be like openly vulnerable about those emotions, like publicly too early, like allow myself, uh, myself, like the privacy, the respect, the space to do that with people. Like, like that yeah. kind of stuff or just activities, like going doing stuff that's non-jiu-jitsu related, yeah. like going to the beach, going, if you're a Disneyland person, like wh- whatever it is, right? Like how can we set ourselves up for success in coming back to neutral rather than dipping super Mm -hmm. low. And that can be really difficult. But again, not having the delusional expectation, speaking for myself, that it's like, oh, I feel this high. I'm going to feel this good all the time because it's not natural for us to stay there all the time. But in my mind, for many years, it was like either that or super, super low. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have the high, I thought something was wrong with me. And then feeling like something was wrong with me perpetuated the experience of spiraling downward when in actuality, like a lot of it is coming back to like, how can I just feel grounded today? Enjoy the highs for what they are. And Mm -hmm. also like the lows, like let them be what they are. Don't need, but don't, don't make the pendulum swing more extreme than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. So you start coming down after the big, after the big upswing. And did you go down super far or did you kind of dip and then you're able to come back up to neutral again? Honestly, I would say that because I was so quickly going in to compete like four weeks after that, I kind of was able to just, okay, there's another tournament. So like caught yourself from going down. Really? I feel like I experienced that after Japan. I see. Yeah, yeah, So the down – and it wasn't as harsh as it ever had been before because I had more awareness. Um, But, yeah, after that, realizing, okay, well, now I did Japan. Like, well, do I want to do another thing? And Mm. I remember being in the bleachers. I was – I had just finished fighting. Like, I had my medal. And and I went up to the bleachers, and I was, like, looking at the registrations for the next tournament. And then I was, like, (laughs) Move the goalpost. Right, right, right. And I was, like, this doesn't feel good. Like, it does not feel good to have my phone out and do this. Like, I'm going to put my phone down. Mm -hmm. So, really, and these past few weeks have just been about, you know, because that was in June. So, it's, like, then that was in July, and then now it's, like, August. So, I'd say these past, like, six, month and a half has been about – um, just re coming back to that center that I went to with world, which was what's going to support me being happy today. So mm. what you were saying, you had a question before that question yeah, yeah. and 
I can't paraphrase exactly what the question was, but I know what my answer is to it. And it's just like playing the game, whatever game you want to play, just because you like to play a game. Like I just like to play. Like we're just humans and we just like to play games. Like the digging for the digging like we were talking about. Yeah, and I happen to really feel like jujitsu is that game. And after Worlds, because of that big high and then that crash or more after, like you know, like in the past month or whatever – I've thought like, oh, do I do I want to play a different game? Do I want to do less jiu-jitsu? But then I really realized when I was just centered in myself and what I want to do every day, I was like, oh, this is the game I want to play. And maybe mm. that changes tomorrow. Uh, but really just treating jiu-jitsu like a game has made me so happy. And that's how I went into Worlds too. So mm. it's like we are we're just playing a game. Like if I give – if I tell my students to spar um, or I have them play like tag – those are both two it's, games. Yeah. Like we make the first thing like not so a game. So serious. Yeah, right. but it's a game. It's a game. Yeah. It's all like we're all just playing games. Yeah. So just to like kind of like feel into that and be like, we're just humans who likes to play games mm-hmm. and like I'm just playing a game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's then, mm-hmm. yeah. And going back to injuries and stuff too, if there's times where you can't play, like that really helps me think about it as like jujitsu is a game, but I can play many other games. Totally. Like, I can sit here and podcast. Like this is a game. Yeah. How can I get better at this? How yes. can I get great guests on? Like, or like any kinds of avenues, like, or we go back to like the etching the circle thing. Like I don't need to stay in etching the same exact path. I can go yeah. and do another path and come back to that later. But minimizing it to like it, be, letting that be what it is, a path, a game, whatever you want to call it, um, an avenue takes the pressure off of having to stay in just that one mm-hmm. um, or in it needing to look like a certain thing. So, totally. okay. So we're going to come back for episode three uh, shortly here. But before we wrap up episode two or part two of your series, I want to ask you the question we always ask. And what does it feel like you today to, to you today to have a grip on your life? I really think it's about like what I was just saying, like playing whatever game I want to play. Um, but without like – See, even we've used the words like playing a game so much that they kind of lose the meaning of like, oh, you want to have your game, your jujitsu game, or yeah. your training like to make your game better or like um, – or even like you're playing someone like I'm trying to like play. But mm-hmm. it's like really just like just making – like doing things that I want to do but like without any serious connotation like at yeah. all yeah. because the less serious I make it, the more fun I'm having. And then mm. that's how I went into worlds. And then the more fun I'm having, the more I just can access presence easier. Like if mm. we're not having fun, it's a lot harder to feel, you know, yeah. like that Easy. we can be here because if we feel like we're not having fun, then we're trying to project ourselves into some future where we are having fun. Yeah. But if I'm just I'll having, be happy when, yeah. yeah. Um, when I finish playing this game really well, then I'll be happy. And it's yeah. like, wait, now you're not even playing the game. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. Yeah. Mm. Um, but to get like really maybe weirdly specific, and this is very <laughs> new to me in the past like few weeks. So this is like, um, like a very new thought, but when I'm training, like it's not my job and I'm just training like to play the game, yeah. that being there is what it is to have a grip on my life right now. Mm. And I didn't really realize that because I started to turn jujitsu into, you know, like serious, m- yes, yeah. like a means to an end, like. I'm going to, you know, win tournaments, make money, teach seminars. Um, so right now, what it feels like, like in this very moment to have a grip on my life is when I get to train and and mm. I let all of those things go. Yeah. And I stop worrying so much about what this training means for my yeah. future. I'm just like, this is what I love. So doing jujitsu, like, has come in a lot of stages for me. But 
I would say there was a lot, there was a period of time where I started treating it more like work. And then now it's like, I'm back into it just being a hobby mm. while it still is my work, which I yeah. think is definitely a place I want to stay. Yeah. Um, so as long as I can keep training and just keep, keep enjoying training, enjoying what I'm losing, enjoying what I'm yeah. winning, enjoying, um, just regaining that awareness. And anytime I can regain that awareness, I really feel like I have a good grip on what I'm doing. Mm. And that happens to be a lot of jiu-jitsu right now. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> well, Shelby, thank you so much for your series, your, your series part two. Yeah. <laughs> of your storied worlds and all the things that came with it. Um, Wow, it's really powerful and a lot of good stuff to think on later. I'm really, really excited for everyone to listen to this because some of the experiences I've been through, some of them I haven't been through, but I think many people will listen to this and not feel alone in their thoughts and experiences around mm -hmm. competing and training um, because we really are all having such a similar experience, whether you're winning the world or you're trying to win your local tournament or you're just trying to go in and perform well in your training like um, – room or mm -hmm. whether you're trying to do get, get a promotion at work or like we said earlier like be the good mom like whatever tangible things yeah. you are plugging in for yourself um we all have a lot of the same experiences in different ways and different stages of our life so thank you um so reminder guys that we don't have any ads on the podcast so i only thing i ask when you guys listen to it is if you got value of it please share it you can copy the link send it to someone share it on your story share the uh clips as they come out we'll release some reels of shelby and i's conversation but please 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 share it and then rate it and review it leave a comment if it's youtube subscribe all that good stuff since we put it on youtube apple and spotify so um that would be awesome and that's all i asked from you guys hope you guys enjoyed the podcast we'll be back uh very soon with another fun episode so make sure you guys stay subscribed so you get notified when it comes out and we'll see you shortly.